You're listening to the St. John's Diamond Creek Podcast. This episode presented by mission partner Joe Knight from Anglican Overseas Aid. Hello everyone. There's two readings today. The first reading is from the Old Testament and it's from the book of Isaiah and it's chapter 35, 1 to 7. The desert and the parched land will be glad. The wilderness will rejoice and blossom. Like the crocus, it will burst into bloom. It will rejoice greatly and shout for joy. The glory of Lebanon will be given to it and the splendour of Carmel and Sharon. They will see the glory of the Lord, the splendour of our God. Strengthen the feeble hands, steady the knees that give way. Say to those with fearful hearts, Be strong, do not fear. Your God will come. He will come with vengeance. With divine retribution, he will come to save you. Then will the eyes of the blind be opened and the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then will the lame leap like a deer and the mute tongue shout for joy. Water will gush forth in the wilderness and streams in the desert. The burning sand will become a pool, the thirsty ground, bubbling springs. In the haunts where jackals once lay, grass and reeds and papyrus will grow. Now the second reading is from the New Testament and it's Luke chapter 4, 16 to 21. He went to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, and on the Sabbath day he went into the synagogue, as was his custom. He stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it is written, The Spirit of the Lord is on me, because he has anointed me, to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. Then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant and sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. He began by saying to them, Today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Hi St John's. It's a great privilege to be able to speak with you today and I want to thank Tim for inviting me. I have recently returned from Kenya and an area called Lykepia which is ravaged by the effects of drought and famine. And I was there as part of my work with Anglican Overseas Aid, but nothing prepared me for what I witnessed. East Africa has not had rain for about five years, and this is the worst drought that they have had in four decades. Now, when you think of Kenya, you might imagine lush jungle, glorious animals roaming around like a scene out of The Lion King. But when I got there 
and drove into remote Maasai lands in Lycapia. The riverbeds were bone dry, cracked and dusty. The air was still. I saw a group of Maasai women and children walking slowly, looking for a spot to dig for water. Their faces were weary and resigned, the children too quiet. The natural world was fading. The landscape was close to uninhabitable, but yet all sought life. Despite living alongside each other for generations, the drought has brought conflict between emaciated and thirsty wild animals and nomadic peoples. One of the unforgettable images that shocked me was the water tanks that had been crushed by elephants that had been so desperately searching for water by night, completely destroying the tanks. But in some communities, they didn't have bore water tanks at all. They only had the dry riverbed and would dig down deep for a small pool of water. I was in Kenya for the purpose of meeting with our local partner, the Anglican Diocese of Mount Kenya West, and visiting the different communities in which we work. Now, this work is led by a formidable Kenyan development worker named Millicent. She and her team had previously conducted a training program for women's economic empowerment. Philly was one of the women who had participated in the training program the previous year. Back then, she had shared her story of how she had learned to keep sheep, goats and poultry and how she had earned enough money to feed her family and could send her children to school. Even as recently as a year ago, when Philly was photographed for a story about her, she was able to smile proudly. But by March this year, when I met Philly in person, she seemed to be a shadow of her former self. The drought had taken so much from her. Her animals had died or been sold at a loss. Her crops had withered. Her children were surviving on one cup of porridge a day. And that was provided by our emergency feeding program. She looked at me with hollow eyes, holding her new baby expressing through the interpreter her story of struggle. I don't know if you've ever visited a country experiencing famine like this. Let me tell you that it is extremely confronting. It challenges you as a person from the privilege of Australia and it challenges your faith as well. I was certainly overwhelmed with desperate, aching questions. Sorrow cut deep in my heart over the devastating realities experienced by Philly and the communities I visited. As a person immersed in international justice work, I do know how much our world is hurting and is so very broken. But what I witnessed with Philly was the personal reality of our damaged world. Things I have known, 
but in Kenya knew with profound lament. How could this happen to her? How could this happen to anyone? How could we let this happen to God's creation? Well, what can we as Christians do when we face such devastation and suffering? First, we should remind ourselves of the hope that we have in Jesus. We should remember that God sent his son to rescue the whole of creation. Our passage from Isaiah 35 is titled in some translations as the voiceless break into song. This is one of the many exciting and hopeful prophecies about the coming Messiah. The wilderness and the dry land shall be glad. The desert shall rejoice and blossom. Verse 5, then the eyes of the blind shall be opened. The ears of the deaf unstopped. The lame shall leap like a deer. And the tongue of the speechless sing for joy. For waters shall break forth in the wilderness and streams in the desert. The burning sand shall become a pool and the thirsty ground springs of water. I love this passage because it describes how the creation that was broken and groaning and longing for its redemption will be redeemed at the coming of the Messiah. It will sing for joy. This is the Christian hope for the new heavens and new earth. God's people will live in eternity with Jesus. There will be no more sickness, no more injustice, and no more decaying earth. So when we are challenged and distressed by situations like that of Philly in Kenya, we must have hope that God is making things right. Isaiah's words prophesy the day when God will restore his people to himself. This hope is embodied through God's servant, Jesus, who has established God's kingdom on earth. Let's turn to the passage from Luke. As Jesus began to teach and launch his kingdom mission, his manifesto, he stood up to read in his hometown of Nazareth, and opened what would have been a familiar, hopeful scripture from Isaiah to the locals gathered. But what the crowd did not realise that day was that Jesus would set the stage for something bigger than imagined, that God's kingdom was far-reaching beyond expectations. Luke 4, he came to Nazareth where he'd been brought up. He went to the synagogue, as was his custom, and he stood up to read unrolling the scroll from Isaiah to the place where it was written. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. This is from Isaiah 61, a key text about the Messiah and his compassionate ministry. Jesus highlights his special concern for the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to let the oppressed go free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. 
This release is referencing Jubilee from Leviticus 25. In the law of Moses, every 50th year, slaves were to be released, debts cancelled, and God's system of rest and reset for the land, the animals, and his people was to be followed. Jesus turned things upside down and brought freedom and release, jubilee, reset. Jesus brought good news to the poor, the marginalised, the outsider. Luke highlights that there are social implications to Jesus' kingdom mission. This is a key part of God's kingdom And in the following chapters of Luke, we see Jesus restoring and healing ministry that's focused on those who were poor, marginalised, in need of healing or acceptance. The passage continues. And he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant and sat down. The eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him. And then he began to say to them, Today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. Today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. Today. The thing that I love about this passage is that it reminds me that Jesus is active in the world today and he invites us into his upside-down kingdom. It's a kingdom where his people live upside down to many of the values around them where his people practice radical generosity, a kingdom where people serve the poor, a kingdom where his people practice release and reset in care for all creation. Jesus showed that another world is possible and that God's reign was breaking into every dimension. The reconciling and restorative work on the cross is good news for the whole creation. And it is now that God's kingdom on earth is taking shape. Now he works through his Holy Spirit and through his church. That's us. And we have a part to play. Friends, we can live in tension as we learn to play that part. On the one hand, we don't just want to do nothing and wait for the world's brokenness to be healed and creation somehow rescued. We don't just see it, yet sit back from making any improvements and simply wait for the dramatic day when Jesus returns. Yet on the other hand, neither do we rush forward and try and fix everything in our own strength, trying to save the poor, the broken and creation in our own power. That would leave no place for heavenly power. We must remember that God is sovereign. We are not responsible for changing the world on our own. As N.T. Wright explains, neither is a proper vision of Christian hope. He reminds us that the kingdom of God has been launched, but the way it happens is through our service to one another, through our service to the poor. It's not that we can create utopia here. But there is stuff we can do. God invites us to play a part in his kingdom purposes. Now, maybe you're wondering what that might mean. 
to move into action, to move into justice, to show special concern for the poor, to be agents of God's reconciliation. Well, let me ask you to consider these questions. Where are you tuning in to hear the cries of those in need? Where are you feeling prompted to respond? Maybe it's hearing the account of Feely and her community in drought and hunger. Maybe you'd like to understand more. Maybe it's in another way that you're tuning in and being prompted by God to respond. Take some time to tune in and pay attention to that prompting. I've got a really helpful way for you to think about the part you may play. A friend of mine, Ruth Valerio, who's a well-known UK Christian author on environmental and poverty challenges, she writes in a really accessible way, in very practical books. She shared with me a really helpful way to think about it. Think about the gap between the world as it is and the world as it could be. Now remember that word, gap. How can you stand in the gap? It helps us turn into action, but not yet be overwhelmed by the enormity of the challenges faced by our world. It helps us take some steps in the right direction because many steps in the right direction is actually what we are called to do as followers of Jesus. And many steps in the right direction become a movement of change and transformation. The word gap stands for give, act, and pray. How can you have a holistic response to challenges such as the account of Philly and her community in drought that we've heard today? Can you give? G. For some of us, this is a more comfortable response and we might stop there. For others of us, giving up our treasure is the hardest of asks and Jesus' call to radical generosity is particularly challenging. If you would like to give financially to support Feely and the work of Millicent, then please respond to our end of financial year appeal. Is there an action? A. We know that our attitudes and actions here in Australia significantly impact people around the world, especially those facing poverty and the impacts of climate and inequality. Like the Good Samaritan in Jesus' parable, we choose not to walk past our neighbour. We choose to love, not do harm. I've spent a lot of time leading fellow Christians on campaigns that encourage lifestyle change, to live more simply and sustainably, or an advocacy where we raise a powerful voice for justice together to our federal MPs and senators on things like the foreign aid budget. Now, these can be new territory for many as a Christian response. But when we join together in coalitions like Micah Australia, we can play a really constructive role. Micah is a coalition of the Christian aid and development agencies, of which Anglican Overseas Aid is a part. 
It may be simply that an action for you is to learn more about the thing that's on your heart. So consider what might be one next action for you. And P, what is your prayer? Prayer is such an important part of our response and one not to be forgotten. The enormity of the brokenness in our world compels us to pray, to call on the Holy Spirit to move in power. That is certainly my prayer, as I remember feeling and the communities that I met in Kenya. And as I spoke last week with Millicent and her team about the situations in Lycopia and what we could pray for. If you would like some current prayer points for our partner in Kenya, please have a look at our website or speak with me. So I encourage you to think of the gap when you are thinking about the part you may play. How will you stand in the gap? Give, act, pray. G-A-P. This might be something you can discuss after the service, clarifying through conversation one next step you can take in the coming week. Well, friends, while you consider these things individually, let me remind you of the story of us responding together. The story of St John's and Anglican Overseas Aid together as God's people over many years, living out the call to be compassionate and involved, responsible global citizens. When the then Archbishop David Penman established what we now call Anglican Overseas Aid more than 30 years ago, it was with a deep appreciation for people internationally and a way for Anglican churches in Melbourne to support in a unique way, building on personal contacts. And so we did. From responding to the HIV AIDS pandemic to the Rwandan genocide then the Boxing Day tsunami, impact continued to grow over the years, as did Anglican Overseas Aid's supporter base, which has now grown to engage Anglicans Australia-wide. We have sought to play our part and be good global neighbours. This is us playing our part in God's kingdom together and faithfully taking steps. That's why we're seeking to connect Anglican communities globally. We're driven by the strong belief that the church is called to be light in the world. And so we seek action grounded in relationship for Australian Anglicans like those gathered at St John's to truly love our neighbours in places like the Diocese of Mount Kenya West. And friends, we know that connections flourish across continents because they are bound by a shared faith and a desire for restoration. The Bible compels us to have a commitment to the poor, to remember people who are living in poverty, to be generous and address the underlying causes. So we care about responding and in doing so to the best of our abilities and strengths. That's why we respond with faith-led development solutions through long-term relationships with our Anglican partners who are seeking change in their local communities. By being theologically informed and solutions-orientated, 
We seek to eliminate power dynamics by deepening our understanding and respect of our partners. So we work alongside them to build capacity and capability. Because we see the world as it could be, compelled by God's mandate of dignity for all people. We continue to pursue equality for women, who of course are disproportionately affected by poverty. And that has been part of the work of the Anglican Church of Mount Kenya West that I recently visited. Like in Kenya, our partners in different parts of the world continue to alert us to what's happening in their communities. We share together God's vision for the restoration of all creation and our faith compels us to respond together to our hurting, warming world. In Kenya, we are stretching further to fundraise with a big push this end of financial year and build upon our existing development program, which is called Imeratia Mesha. Our development program is co-funded by our supporters and the Department of Foreign Affairs. It builds the capacity and opportunities for women, people with disabilities and remote people groups like the Maasai of Laikipia. In the last few months, we have been supplementing that program with emergency feeding in these dire times of drought. We are trying to do what is necessary and ensure we don't see the development gains of many years undone. We are trying to listen to the cries of the hungry. That's what it looks like to support Philly and her community and our partner, Millicent, who's leading responses through the Anglican Diocese of Mount Kenya West. It's what good global neighbours do. And I thank you for your partnership with Anglican Overseas Aid. Together, we are Anglican communities working together for God's renewed creation, free of poverty. This is part of what it means to take up Jesus' words and seek God's kingdom on earth as the church in the power of the spirit. And that means today. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for inviting us to play a part in your kingdom purposes. We pray today for your children and all creation who are suffering from drought in Kenya. We pray for waters in the wilderness and streams in the desert. In your world of abundant food, may we feed the hungry. Be with Feely and her community this day and strengthen your church in Kenya in their service. Amen. Thanks for joining us. If you'd like to subscribe to this podcast, you can do so in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from. Just search for St. John's Diamond Creek.